Hello, and welcome to UK Life Abroad. Today, we're coming to you on location at the Ukrainian Embassy in Canberra, and I'm joined by His Excellency, Ambassador of Ukraine to Australia, Dr. Mykola Kulenich. Uh, hello. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> it's a fantastic opportunity to, to speak with Ukrainians and with all who want to listen to me as Ambassador of Ukraine. So uh, we are just now sitting in our embassy. Uh, we are one of the smallest, but the tallest embassy <laughs> in Canberra. We have on the 12th level of the St. George Business Center. And uh, uh, our flag installed in the embassy is even taller than the flag of ACT. So I'm very proud that everybody in uh, Canberra can see our embassy. So um, today it's fantastic opportunity. Thank you guys for coming here on this um, weekend. And um, this is an interesting opportunity to, to talk today because the timing is very good. We start new year, almost three year, three months of new year. But uh, with the expectation of this year is special, very special, because it is the third anniversary, 30th anniversary of independence of Ukraine. This is a special year for Ukraine as a state. This is a very special day uh, Ukraine as a nation. And this is very special date for all Ukrainians throughout the world. Uh, 20 million Ukrainians who are living overseas out of Ukraine, it's also have their 30th anniversary of independent Ukraine. The goal of the generation of Ukrainian fighters struggling and fighting for independent Ukraine, it is today fantastically celebrated by new generation of Ukrainians lives both in Ukraine and overseas and here in Australia. And the aspiration of this generation is to facilitate, to make Ukraine independence, mighty national and mighty powerful country in Europe and in the world. Thank you very much for coming to my office. Thank you for inviting us as well. It's a pleasure to be here and to interact with you and the rest of the embassy here as well. First, we'd like to ask some personal questions from your history as well. Mm -hmm. So what drove you to become a diplomat and what kind of training did you have to undertake to become one? Oh, as a diplomat, uh, diplomacy as, as a field of uh, uh, social and human life is very special one because it is really the, the not only professional activity but art of diplomacy because it is very special activity that needs special training, needs special uh, knowledges and skills. So all together, I, I, I will not be overestimated to say that uh, this job for elite, a job for Ukrainian elite as a nation. So as far as a nation, we are quite old, but new state. We have a new state as a, the attribute of state. Ukrainian diplomacy need sophisticated trained diplo diplomats. So um, I start my diplomatic activity quite accidentally. Uh, I was a professor of Kyiv University uh, when I, I was quite mature person when uh, dip, uh, it was uh, diploma, independence of Ukraine happened 30 years ago. I was assistant professor, the professor of Kyiv University. 
So, but my specialty is quite narrow. I, I, I research uh, the history of Asia Pacific and Far East. It was my research job. I wrote some articles, even a book. And um, I have my training in this field. And my have, I had my doctorate degree in Asia Pacific. Uh, modern history and international relation in in um, in Asia Pacific. Um, as long as far as we need some trained staff for new generation of Ukrainian diplomats, the first minister of independent Ukraine, foreign minister of independent Ukraine, Anatoly Zlenka, who unfortunately passed away these days a week ago. Uh, and I, I really recognize him as my mentor, as he's my teacher. Uh, he asked me, why you have quite profound knowledge of some knowledge of this particular part of the world. And not so many people in Ukraine have proper knowledge about uh, what is going on in Asia Pacific, in South Pacific, in China, and on that time. And uh, he made me proposal, fantastic proposal, to change, to switch on, on new, absolutely new for me, um, activity, new activity as a diplomat. Uh, it was very challenging. I have, I have my family, I have two boys, and to change the type of life, the way of life, and the field of life, it was very challenging. But I, I did it. I did it, and I'm I'm a happy man, and I'm lucky man that I did it. So I feel that I still recognize that a, quite a big number of scholars and researchers can um, work in this field of science as modern history, international relations, but quite few, few of them have some kind of practical training and practical knowledge of what how it do what to do what start with what is the nuances of this world what is a particular thing what we call diplomacy real diplomacy re diplomatic techniques diplomatic methodology so it was as i said was challenging but fantastic opportunity this fully changed my life my style of life and uh, that's after independence, the half-life I spent overseas in different countries and different countries of this region of Asia Pacific, and I have fun, have fantastic opportunity to see many interesting people, uh, interested politicians, diplomats, uh, states leader, even states leader. And um, I, I, I have uh, had fantastic opportunity to review my habits, even habits in many countries, because I should, I want to adjust them to the country where I live and to be in, in trend of what is going on in each particular country. So as, as a good prize, as a good bingo of my, my diplomatic activity, it was uh, Australia. Yes, this is fantastic country. This is the country of mighty opportunities, of fantastic opportunities. At the first, for the first time, I live in such big country, which is almost continent.
and never <laughs> live in the country continent. So that's that changed my life and changing, still changing my life in many senses. And uh, one more thing that I should say that being a diplomat and having opportunity to speak with many kind of, uh, people, I, for the first time, I appreciate the privilege to be Ukrainian because I'm not on, only working for national interest of my particular country, state, Ukraine. I'm working for the interests of all Ukrainians who are living overseas. That's why the interests of my grandmother here in Australia, I mean Ukrainian grandmother, the interest of all Ukrainian organizations here is quite close to me and I'm living the same life as many Ukrainians here in Australia. So this is, I, I'm, I'm really appreciate such an opportunity and gratitude to the, my life, my destiny that was so good for me to giving this chance to live with Ukrainians of Australia. That was very great to hear about your journey from becoming a doctor in Eastern history and to actually becoming a diplomat working in this sphere of the globe, really. Mm -hmm. But what were your perceptions of Australia before becoming a diplomat uh, here? Yeah, uh, you know, as, as, as a researcher of this particular part of the world, uh, I have some knowledge about uh, what countries are, are here in this region. Uh, and how active they are on the international arena. So uh, I want to say that I, I'm monitoring uh, the development, the foreign policy of Australia, because I have a quite big number of colleagues from Australia in my diplomatic uh, relations in my world, working in, in uh, Japan, in Philippines, in uh, South Korea, in the Republic of Korea. I know... I, I, I knew and still know many of them who are fantastic diplomats. So I had a good opportunity to communicate. But what I have seen here, it's overcome my expectation. It was beyond my knowledge of Australia. I'm, I remember my first day after the landing in Sydney airport. Um, I moved to Canberra by car and I was, it was magic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not after, for example, after Japan, when the density of people is so the, as a crowd <laughs> on the road, I see quite few people, few, few people are I met on the road, once on the gasoline station and once coming to Cam Canberra. So it was fantastic landscape. For the first time, I understood what is Ukrainian world wala. When you see um, borderless skyline, uh, big valleys, uh, the contour of the mountains, I understood and I said to my wife, in this country, in this vast and big country, only free people can live. They are not limited by borders and they are not limited by any things of nature capacity. So that was the first feeling that I'm free inside, I'm free, I'm, I'm free, I'm really free. The most valuable feeling for Ukrainians. Yeah, for ages we struggle for be free, for to feel absolutely free and 
what I have seen is coincide with my perception of voila, of, of freedom. So thanks for that, for this opportunity. So, but I want to say, every time I discover Australia, each time, every day, Australia for me, because of people, because of places in Australia, I travel quite a lot. I met a lot of Australians, different, different nationalities, ethnic, I mean, ethnic Australians, Ukrainians, Polish, Chinese, Korean, and many of them. And they feel quite comfortable, quite at home here in Australia. You can imagine, I, I visited and I live in different countries what I mentioned, in Japan, Korea, Philippines, but when I met people of this ethnic origin, of these roots here in Australia, I understand they have the same feeling they are living in their home country. Except maybe one. All of them speaking English. Australian English, to say more, more, more precise. Australian English, which is a little bit another English language. I feel like uh, Ukraine should be striving for this kind of freedom uh, in their homeland as well. And Having been there, my, there myself, it'd be a great opportunity to see Ukraine to rise to that kind of level of freedom that we have here in Australia. For these 30 years, the evolution of Ukraine and as a nation was immense. We started as a post-Soviet Republic with all attributes and all characteristics of post-Soviet Republic, with this mentality, with these habits, with this even language, which is a big mixture of Russian, Ukraine, and some other language I don't know, but big mixture of what we call Surzhik. So, in the 30 years of the life of one generation, we have a new country, well-respected, at the biggest territory in Europe. We have another generation of free people, which are not only born in independent country, but they fight twice on Maidans for their freedom and for their dignity. That's another type of generation with another history, even with another communication. And um, I, I think this new values of independent and free people, this is a big achievement of independent Ukraine for 30 years. New values that we shared the same values that they share with Australians. That's why our colleagues from the your foreign ministry, um, for, foreign ministry, called and gave us the status like-minded country, which not so many uh, countries enjoy such as case, even from this region. So that I'm very proud that it was during the time of my mission as, as ambassador, this evolution. So we have evolution of Ukraine in 30 years. We have evolution of our bilateral relation with many countries and included, and Australia is among this these countries. So that's big changes of the country, of big changes of Ukraine, and as, as a result, big change of the world. To know nowadays, modern world and world community, it is impossible without Ukraine. It is not will exist in harmony without absence of such kind of 
country as Ukraine. So we are integral. Ukraine, we, as I say, we, it's mean Ukrainians and Ukraine, are integral and inseparable part of the world communities and we feel very comfortable living with all the world. So 30 years of great changes would change the world and Ukraine. Are these the reasons why you would accept to become the ambassador for Australia, to strive to help to make Ukraine a better country? Yes, this, uh, to say frankly, that's um, maybe the, my big personal achievement. When my career coincides with my values and understanding and perception of the world. What I'm doing for Ukraine as ambassador is absolutely with harmony, in harmony, with my perception of the world, modern world, and my perception as me, as personality. I share with my good friends here in Australia the same things, common things that I share with Ukrainians, with my family, with my sons, with my wife, with my neighbors, with my colleagues uh, in office. So we are doing the same things. But there are the forces who try to impede to make our life not easy. That's my primary mission, to show the world that there are obstacles for Ukraine on their way, it's, its way for independence, democracy, and self-realization at the state. So um, this is unique opportunity. I, I, can, I cannot be um, even imagine that I can, as a teacher, as a professor, I have such kind of instrumentaria, such kind of opportunities to deliver direct messages to other people with the other perception of the world. This is great achievement, my personal achievement, that I can easily do it. Uh, I, I can do it to make my, my people happy. It, it, it's, it's not big words, puffous words, but it is really what I'm doing every day, that Ukrainians should live the way as uh, other countries live in this big world as Australia, as the United States, and UK, and so on. So this is a fantastic opportunity. So I want to say, I'm, in this sense, I'm a very happy man. But I'm a very happy man in all sense. Talking about happiness, you've traveled a lot in Australia to the different Ramada here in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. What are your favorite places here in Australia? Well, many places are very good for me. And I want to say the places where I feel happy and comfortable, a lot of them. I like, by the way, um, I'm not the people who, uh, I'm not a man who is looking something extraordinary, some exotic. I was in Tasmania, I was in Queensland, in Cairns. Yes, they're absolutely different part of the, the same country. Tasmania, Queensland, I was in Perth. I was in um, Western Australia, and uh, I was uh, in Adelaide. So they're quite different, by the way. But as far as I'm, I'm meeting many of them, the people I'm meeting were uh, Ukrainians. There are very common things. The first, they are Ukrainians. The second, they are good Australians. And the most important, they are joyful people. This is fantastic. I, I, I met a lot of people. I, I spoke with other ethnic groups, but the only one groups feel make me happy and I feel happy. Ukrainians. Joyful songs, 
joyful dances, good conversation, good meal, Vareniki Borsh, good Gopak. So that's make me feel not only at home, but feel happy as a human being. It's good that we're able to make this happiness for you here in Australia and still incorporate our heritage here as well. Between November 2003 and January 2007, you were the rector of the Diplomatic Academy of Ukraine. What was the most important skill you tried to instill in the students to prepare them for their future? Uh, to be more precise, uh, um, during uh, these years, I was the rector of Diplomatic Academy for the first time. I was twice a rector of Diplomatic Academy and I have two opportunities <laughs> as as. As, uh, as a sportsman, as a diplomat, I have two opportunities to, uh, to realize myself, which in the sphere which is very close to me. This is something that unites uh, research and academia with practical diplomacy. And my primary mission was to nourish the new generation of Ukrainian diplomats. We deadly need the new type of diplomats because... Um, we have no big background in diplomacy, though one very interesting fact, my good friend uh, Ukrainians here, our fellows Australians, Ukrainian Australians should know and they know that Ukraine was a member of United Nations since 1945. And we are, this uh, Ukraine is the founder of United Nations, signing and San Francisco's 1945, the Charter of the United Nations. So we are among the first 50 countries which built uh, United Nations. So uh, on that time we have a very small Ministry of Foreign Affairs and altogether, as I'm not, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's about 45, 46 altogether, including junitors, diplomats, drivers, minister. It was very small. It was understandable because on that time Ukraine was the part of Soviet Union and we were the part of the Soviet Union foreign policy. But this very intrigue, big intrigue. You should know that in 1945, when Indonesia started fighting after the World War II for the independence, independence and decolonization from the Dutch colonizers were dominating in this country, Ukraine as the member state of United Nations delivered a resolution for independence and decolonization of Indonesia. Indonesia. So we, not independent country, fighting for independence and proposed a resolution, and it was adopted. Long time after, when I was a quite matured diplomat and director of Diplomatic Academy, one Indonesian diplomat came to Academy and entered Academy and I asked him, he was a member, staff member of Indonesian Embassy in Kiev. I asked him, you have a lot of opportunities to have very good education in many countries, you know, in United Kingdom, in Europe, United States, why you choose uh, Kiev and Ukraine say, Ukraine is a godfather for our independence and we are paying tribute and appreciate the role of Ukrainian diplomacy 
in making us a big independent state, I want to say great independent state in Asia Pacific. So we, it's what we call effect boomerang effect. <laughs> yeah, we support them. And today, Indonesia, by the way, supported us in, in any resolution of the United Nations, which is very, very important for us, especially in the issues of Crimea. They're quite a good supporter for us. The same as Australia. Australia is a fantastic supporter. All Crimean resolution, and not only Crimean, supporting of Ukraine in United Nations. So my appreciation to my colleague from DFAT, Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade of Australia, for such strong and powerful support of Ukraine, uh, which make us more closer, more associative, in cooperative on the international arena. So coming back for my um, uh, rector, as a rector, we call, uh, it, it's uh, quite three-year in Australia, call your rector, yeah? So a principal, president, uh, we, we follow European tradition, the rector of academy, academy this means the director of academy. So uniting, combining such kind of things, academy and diplomacy, we try to present new opportunities for our young diplomats to choose a proper way, trained and full of skill, with good skill, to be a good colleague to many, many international uh, diplomats. We should avoid in our life, by the way, it's very important, and this, this is maybe one of my uh, great messages that I want to deliver to my listeners. Ukraine this is a high time to Ukraine posbavetes menshovartest. This is very important that Ukraine, one of the big problems of Ukraine in their mentality is to overcome this devalue, this underestimation, estimation themselves as the great nation. And um, every day is a great work and great steps to overcome this underestimation and devalues of Ukraine. So that's why we should be the best diplomats with the best skills and to do and to feel equal and the same in their training as a good uh, diploma, diplomats from other countries of the world. So today, even in Ukraine, you can, you can see, I think, majority of Ukrainians, young Ukrainians speaking good English. Many of them, very many of them have good education overseas, in Europe and overseas. I, I, I see no big uh, difference when uh, Ukrainian Ukrainian in Kyiv speak with Australian Ukrainian. And uh, that that's, they have the common language and more important, common understanding, the same values. So uh, altogether, the creation of new type of diplomat, of independent Ukrainian diplomat, who is quite good for protecting national interests of Ukraine, as good as protecting and delivering a new image of Ukraine as independent state. This is very important, and I want to see it's a key stack, a key key assignment for us. And um, I try to do something in this field. Um, 
it's not me to evaluate and to estimate what I have done, but um, I have my, my 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 students overseas today working as ambassador. By the way, Volodymyr uh, was uh, the he is teaching in diplomatic academy. I was not his teacher, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but but because we have on that time I was in Japan, but the academy. Um, the principal basic programs of the academy launched in the end of 90s, beginning of the 2000s. I think it was quite sufficient. Today, certainly, world is changing. Even today, in the lockdowns, we have new type of communication online, as a new digitalization. What we call is became the integral part of our life. Online communication sometimes um, substituted our communication, live communication with my colleagues. For sometimes it's very good because the delivery of message is much easier. But sometimes I'm, I'm still conservative in this sense that the communication as a human communication, it is added value for diplomacy. When you can convince by yourself in flesh you can make do many, many productive things. Because diplomacy is the art of nuances. Nuances. We call it detail, uh, the details are in devil. Well, that's any detail for a diplomat. And in diplomacy is very, very important. So sometimes that we, you can easily omit it in your digital communication. It should be compensated by your face-to-face -face communication, which is very valuable and very interesting. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm still believe in this trend of diplomacy, which will be reinforced by the new gadgets and new type of communications, uh, what we call online, digital times, these Twitter messengers, um, and many things. But it's very hard to make some how to say diplomatic message delivery in 16 words yeah <laughs> yeah it's very something something very difficult but let's combine we we should be wiser and i think that your generation should be wiser and trying not absolutize only this electronic version of diplomacy the human communication much more interesting interesting this appropriate word interesting it's not only you're working with the keyboards of computer but you i'm sitting with you i'm communicating while we are broadcasting by, by radio but i'm communicating with the human beings with good young australians which makes my day quite happy so you've already told us about your previous postings to uh, east asia but i want to focus more on Japan. So during your time there serving as Ukraine's ambassador, uh, you were awarded the Order of the Rising Sun. Could you tell us more about this award and your work there more generally? Oh, um, yeah, thank you. You're the first Australians mentioned about that I was awarded. <laughs> that, that's, um, but award, it's big honor because, by the way, there is uh, Gramota, this is a rescript of Emperor of uh, Japan, where he praised me with this order. It's like quite high, warring, I think one of the highest. But uh, this order, this um, sign of appreciation, is the result of big work. 
this is appreciation of some period of time I spent uh, in Japan. But I only, not only spent, but I working to promote our bilateral relation with Japan. And it was the second time, altogether I spent 10 years in Japan, and I was among those first diplomats who opened, opened uh, our embassy in, in, in Japan. I'm very proud that I was the, one of the first diplomats representing Ukraine in Japan. It was, was very challenging. You can imagine that very few Japanese understood what is Ukraine. Oh, they, oh, you are Soren, Soviet Union. No, no. I spent three years, first three years, to explain for Japanese that we are not Russia. The next three years, I explained what is Ukraine. <laughs> and then my life, I dedicated how to promote our Ukrainian-Japanese relation. So this award, which is very honorable, and I'm really very touched and very proud to be the, uh, the awarded by this badge, uh, two stars, one silver and one, one, one gold. And uh, by the way, I, I only wear once <laughs> when, when it was decorated, because two at, at once on the one chest. It is, I have no such broad chest <laughs> as I wish. But anyway, uh, I'm coming back. We are speaking about the result as appreciation of the big time and big piece of work commemorating our uh, activity in, in Japan. Um, I want to say that um, Japan is not the country which is easily awarded other. That, that's very different mentality of them. The, um, this award is, is uh, as far as it is done by uh, Imperial, His Majesty, is very special and appreciated by Japanese. But nobody, uh, not not too many people uh, aware what is mean for Japan. So, but anyway, uh, I'm very proud, and it is not only my my uh, uh, achievement. It's achievement of group of people who working in the. It's it's impossible to make one man diplomacy. It's not one man show. No, it's not. It's yeah. It's it's a team working, and that's why. It is uh, its appreciation of the of our embassy of some period of time. It was, by the way, it was not easiest time in our relations, not bilateral relation. It's the history of Japan because exact couple of days we celebrate ten years of big Tohoku earthquake. I was on that time in Japan, and I was among those who organized the humanitarian assistance of Ukraine to Japan. It's very strange to say. Every time everybody associated the help assistant of Japan to other countries. And when it happened, some of my, my colleagues, Japanese colleagues, at the moment they were lost. It was big scale uh, earthquake and tsunami and the, the big damage and big uh, accident with the atomic uh, power station, Fukushima. And uh, when I talk on that day, it was a very dramatic day, uh, very dramatic days. And uh, my colleague from Gaimishu, Ministry of, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Japan, say, it's a pity we have good experience to assist other country, but we have no structure which accept this kind of assistance, international acceptance for the moment. So they started from the scratch 
with the Red Cross, when the first uh, organizations they tried to accept big planes, transport planes, and other. And Ukraine, I'm, I'm very proud the Ukrainians were, Ukraine as a country, we are among the first who rendered this assistance. And I was in Fukushima, uh, it was a little bit later, and uh, I delivered some kind of radiometers, individual radiometers and other things. But it, it was very hard. The most important uh, cooperation that we can propose on that time to Japan was cooperation based on our Chernobyl experience. That's why they easily applied for, please explain what now to do. On everyday level, I got a lot of emails and telephone calls with just average, how to say, uh, Japanese asking, oh, Taishi, the ta in Japanese, uh, ambassador is Taishi, oh, Taishi, what water we should drink? Or what, what uh, food we should do? Or how to behave in the open space? And what to do with small kids? Uh, afterwards. So I say I'm not doctor, not experienced, but I survive on that day. I, I have experience of Chernobyl. I was in Kiev when it's happened. So I, I know some kind, I have some knowledge of what we do as a routine on that day. So this is very small uh, token that we can do to, 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 to deliver messages today, but I think it was timely. You can imagine that the first group of our experts from Chernobyl, former Chernobyl um, high-ranking people, came and they did fantastic work. The first, they prove officially that it was not a mistake of operators of the Fukushima atomic station. It was design defect. It was design mistake because it's too close to the sea and the protection constructions was quite weak. They were not calculated for such kind of tsunami wave. They, they, the, the, the wave was sometimes even more than 30 meters. This is fantastic. They, oh, you see these documentaries about that. Day. So um, it was challenging time and uh, I'm, I was very happy and I still is happy that I was with Japan, on, with the people of Japan at that time and tried to even on my level, in my own capacity to, to, to help with some kind of a tip of advice with such kind of recommendation. It's good seeing that um, the award's not just for the diplomatic ethics that you brought to Japan and building that relationship between Ukraine and Japan, but also the more humanitarian side, the people side, working with those people. So it's a great achievement that you and your embassy achieved during those hard times. Yeah, the biggest heritage and the big, I've seen the, the most valuable legacy is not, um, not only delivering official interstate or intergovernment relation, which is very important, because they are the framework of our bilateral relations. The most important for me, it is people to people. So I, I was happy with that many Japanese people understand what is Borsh or Eniki. My wife uh, used the opportunity of Asahi TV to promote our Borsh and Vareniki for average people. 
she shows on that TV uh, that's a show, special show, how to make borscht and how to make vareniki. It was unforgettable because we are <laughs> very popular <laughs> on that time. And this is very quite small thing. But many people still remember the, our uh, TV, these uh, uh, show programs on that time. And then um, I think the big interest that rise, uh, raised on that time for Ukraine, when you, Japanese, Japanese realized that we are not the part of Russia, that it is another sovereign and independent state, and very, very authentic with authentic language, with authentic culture, with authentic songs and beautiful dances. That was another, another story which I am very proud of. In the news this week, Putin's ban on foreigners owning land in Crimea came into force this week. The law in question affects all coastal regions, including occupied Crimea. As a result of the ban, all land not owned by Russian citizens can be seized and sold with profits going to the Russian state budget. Currently, Ukrainian citizens own over 11,000 plots of land in the affected areas. The Ukrainian Foreign Ministry has announced that Ukraine will appeal the ban in international courts. The EU has also criticised the ban as it violates international law. The French Court of Appeal has ruled to cancel the registration of the unrecognized Donetsk People's Republic in the city of Marseille and ordered that the so-called representative center be shut down. Ukraine's Foreign Minister Dmitro Kuleba welcomed the decision, saying that it was a victory for Ukraine. We've been fighting for this for a long time and now we have won. I am grateful to the court for a fair ruling. This is not the first time that the Russian separatists have tried to open diplomatic centers abroad or even in France. Ukraine has again made it onto Bloomberg's Innovation Index's list of the world's most innovative countries, ranking 58 out of 60. Over the past couple of years, Ukraine has been falling down the index, and in 2018 the country was ranked 46th. South Korea topped the list, followed by Singapore and Switzerland. Leonid Volkov, head of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny's regional network, has refused to amend their party's map of Russia, which includes Krem. In October 2014, Navalny told Ukrainians not to hold their breath for the return of Krem as it is not a sandwich that is passed around. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Petro Kuleba commented, saying Russia will eventually have to give the sandwich back and apologize for the annexation of Krem. This continues Navalny's complicated relationship with Ukraine over Krem. Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more UKLife Abroad content.